CLC live broadcasted on Live AM straight from Alpha Melbourne. My name is Amrita and I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Polly and Layla. In this episode, we will be in- interviewing award-winning documentary filmmaker and producer Melanie Hogan. Melanie, thanks for joining us today. Um, would you like to introduce a bit about yourself and your work? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm always inspired by young people who are curious to learn. Um, I think that uh, resonates with me because uh, I think curiosity has been the driving force behind my story. Um, I I studied at school. I went to school in Parramatta in Sydney and uni and studied finance, Um, but I wasn't really happy with that career path and I wanted to be a bit more creative so I decided to investigate film and and directing so um, it wasn't until I'd actually finished um, my studying in that creative field that I realized I didn't actually have any Aboriginal friends at all in this country and that was despite you know living in the country for 21 years and I'd even traveled all around the world and made friends with so many people overseas and I was like this is so strange that I have no Aboriginal friends and and um, I remember one day going into the Mitchell Library and reading a lot about Australian history from an Aboriginal perspective. And what I came across were stories that I hadn't been taught at school and ways of thinking that were very different to kind of our Western way of thinking, this idea of Kenyini of being connected to everything that's alive and just really sparked my curiosity. And so I, I wrote to the author, Bob Randall, who was a, an Anagul fellow who was living beside Uluru at the time in the Mutajulu community, and I just told him, I said, I don't have any Aboriginal friends, I think that's crazy, I'd really really love to learn from you guys if that was possible and I sent the letter through the publisher and then he gave me a call and said oh come up come up to community so I jumped on that plane and went up and spent some some weeks there in Mutajulu learning and uh being shocked about what I didn't know, to be honest and then that propelled the film of Kenyini that I made with Uncle Bob Randall. Yeah wow yeah that's an amazing experience so like what did you take away most from that like there's one thing from making the film with uncle bob like from um going there and like spending time in that sort of community i think what i realized was that for too long aboriginal people and non-aboriginal people have been traveling like railway tracks we're on either side of the railway track traveling in parallel and we're not meeting enough and we're not learning enough um and i've and that friendship piece is really beautiful and really important. And if I could wave a magic wand, I wish the fellas that came here all those, you know, 200-odd years ago had actually decided to start with friendship because I think um, when it comes to learning from each other, the combined outcome is, is better than staying parallel. I always say with Uncle Vic, another elder um, I'm working with now, like one plus one equals three. I'll I'll bring an idea and and flesh it out with him and he'll bring an idea and flesh it out with me and our combined thinking actually creates an outcome that's that's so much better than what I could do by myself and he could do by himself. So I think that um, the railway tracks, we've been travelling like railway tracks for too long and uh, I'd love to see that move in a different direction. I love more friendships between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, about your how you were talking about friendships and connectedness, do you have any like inspirations for your work in like film? Because I feel like it's kind of different to mediums like books 
because it's like all about connecting with people. So that's true. You know, I do love film. I, I, film, film has a power to it. I think because it can really, just like a book, though, it can hit the emotions. And you've also got this extra tool of music and the voice. And because I think um, sound and vibration can hit, kind of, of bypass the brain and go into our emotional center. I think if you get a film right from that emotional place of you've got to be kind of truthful with those emotions, I think film can be very, very powerful. Um, books can too, but we've got this extra layer yeah. of sound that, that just gives it an extra big bang. Um, it can also work in the opposite. You know, horror films can, you know, they really can take us into a really, you know, strong emotional place. But if you're trying to inspire or uplift or try to... Um, maybe put different ideas out there that people can think about. Um, it is a great medium to, to take people there. Yeah. As you were like saying before, so you studied like you were a banker? Yeah. And then you went into filmmaking. Was that difficult like without having any prior experience in that field? It was. I, I, I had been a creative kid. I was a ballerina and a painter all through my childhood years. But I always had that dilemma of the right brain, left brain balance because I loved my maths and yeah. I also my ballet and my painting. So um, when I finished school, I guess I was like lots of kids are like, oh, okay, I'll do medicine, law or, you know, finance. I was in that world. And I remember my English teacher saying, don't do that. Go and do English. You know, you love your English. But I, I don't think I was courageous enough. I was just kind of following a maybe not a great way of thinking. Um, but in the end, the creative side, when I was sitting in that bank, that creative side could not be squashed. Um, but yes, you know, to transition from an analytical way of thinking to a creative way of thinking, they're different parts of the brain. And my analytical part of the brain was super strong at that time because I'd done finance and economics and that had done it to an honours degree. So like really lots and lots of maths. So when I switched to the arts, I found it hard. Like I couldn't think um, in a non-literal way very easily because with the arts you've got to think in, you know, um, non-didactic ways. You've got to think of uh, how do I inspire people from that emotional place. You've almost got to turn off the analytical side sometimes to, to begin with anyway when you're trying to bring something from nothing into reality. You know, you, you're, you're taking stories that aren't existing or you've got a dream and then you've got to bring it into reality. So it's a totally different part of the brain. So it was a big, hard transition. <laughs> if you're tuning in, this is CLC Live broadcasted on Live FM straight from Eltham, Melbourne. My name is Amrita and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Holly and Layla. Um, in this episode, we're interviewing award-winning documentary filmmaker and producer Melanie Hogan. And so what you were saying before about the transition into filmmaking, how many like um, documentaries have you produced so far? You know, I was really lucky. My first my first gig outside of NIDA, so I did directing at NIDA for a year and then I was lucky enough to go over to London and I was a director's attachment to um, Shekhar Kapoor. He was an amazing filmmaker from India who did Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. Um, he, he was the one who really kind of inspired me to think of uh, non-European ways of telling stories. Yeah. Ironically, right, because he was telling Elizabeth and he was an, in, an Indian fella. 
but um, he kind of helped plant the seed. And then when I came home, I started reading a lot about Australian history from the Indigenous perspective. Um, my first film was Kenyini. That was, oh, actually, no, now that I read, I did a short film, sorry. I did a short film in Port Augusta um, before that uh, with um, a community, the Amiwara community down there. That was a little short film because that community was trying to raise funds to get a bus to take their mob out on cultural tours out into the desert. So I did do that. But my first big film was Kenyini. That was a 52-minute documentary film that took a long time to make and I edited it all myself and I was super blessed to have people come on board, amazing cinematographer Denson Baker and and I took it down to um, Hopscotch at the time when it was all cut and I was like, would you like to look at it? And literally within a day or two they called me and said, we're going to distribute this. It was amazing. That does not really happen. It was freakishly blessed that. Yeah. And then we had people like George Negus coming to the house to watch it and Peter Garrett and... Linda House, who made Muriel's Wedding, she came on to executive produce. And That's amazing. And we were able to show the film to phenomenal people like Tony Collette and lovely Deborah Mailman, who all gave their support, and Adam Goods. And then this film just took off. And then after that, um, I was blessed to go up to the Kimberley and tell some stories up there, some documentaries of the women who were bringing in the alcohol restrictions to, to create a circuit breaker in the Fitzroy Crossing Valley. Uh, so I spent a bit of time up there. Um, gosh, then I did the Stolen Generations project where um, we went around Australia and recorded testimonies of Stolen Generations survivors. So I've done a bit. I don't know the number. I'm still still going and now I'm working on my first feature film with wow. Nicanette. Yeah, wow. quite um, a few. Canta. So it's it's been yeah. a very blessed journey. Yeah. That's very yeah. impressive. And we as a class, we watched the Stolen Generation testimonies. Yeah. yeah. It was like very, very interesting, very insightful. Yeah. yeah, it was very hard to watch some of it, and it was very sad. But yeah, yeah. it was a great experience. Yeah, sure. I can um, imagine in your like profession there'd be lots of traveling. How do you manage that with like your like home life, work life? Like, there was a lot of traveling until I had my babies. <laughs> I've got two grown up little ones now. Um, I definitely went quieter when they were born and that's why I started writing the feature film with, with Vic Hunter because I did want to slow down and, and be with the babies. Yeah. Uh, and now they're older, um, I'm just getting that energy to come back out. So there's now I'm super busy again, um, but I definitely retracted for a long time and did small projects that didn't need lots of travelling for about 10 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. So just imagine if you stayed like as a banker, none of this would have happened. None of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like what do you um like what's been like you think like your biggest like thing project that you're like you're most proud of that you think sent out the biggest message? Um, I think Kenyini was had a really powerful heart. Um the message at the core was Let's come together. You know, let's try and understand this idea of Kenini together. It's a beautiful idea, beautiful philosophy that connects everything that's alive. It's mm. super cool. Um, and I really do love that way of thinking because we're not conditioned out in our Western materialist paradigm. We're not conditioned to 
think about how do we have a relationship with non-human things like plants and the ocean and the mountains and as well as each other and and maybe family isn't just your bloodline it's more than that it's other humans and it's also country like the land we're on that's like a big mother and it makes us all brothers and sisters we're all tied to this land you know so the messages of Kanyini um I, I think are really beautiful and I still try to live by the more by the you know by myself all the time um don't always get it right of course but I just love that that guide you know um and the feature film we're working on now it's a comedy so um Uncle Vic is the funniest fella I have met. Vic and I met 20-odd years ago on the veranda of Uncle Bob Randall's house in Mutajulu, and he made me laugh so hard. And so for the last 10 years we've been writing this comedy about how a community in a remote area can uh, heal itself from the inside out and bring about real change. And it's kind of based on his visionary. He's a real, really great entrepreneur and a great visionary, and so... I think this film has a really big chance of, again, promoting that friendship piece that I yeah. think we yeah, well. bring off that railway track, you know? Yeah. Um, earlier you were talking about, like, the process behind, like, how you reach out to a lot of the people in your documentaries because I feel like it's so people-focused. So how do you, like, what's the creative process? Like, how, like, you reach out to people, how you gain ideas from new people, like, what is that like? Um, you know, I think I always try in an ideal world, of course. Um, you try to do projects that give you good, good Leon, good feeling. Leon means, you know, good feeling in, in the Nikana language. So if you can find a project that fills your fills your heart, um, that's always a good sign you're on the right track. And um if it's got a good intention, I, I like those ones the best. Um, so I kind of make sure what I'm working on has a good intention uh, and then, you know, the energy comes and people probably pick up on the good feeling and so it then really starts to flow and flow really well and people come and say yes to the interviewing if if they I think they can feel that, that intention. Um Everyone needs to work, of course. Like you've still got to do jobs. Like I'm doing some social media jobs for, you know, to keep keep the profession going. But my favourite ones are when it's like good Leon and you're trying to make a good social impact. May yeah. try to make yeah, right. better place. You know, I, I guess I haven't lost yeah. that idealism. Yeah, cool. So what's the best thing about directing your own film company? Film company. Um I think the best thing about it is you do you do get to have a lot of freedom. Yeah. You know, people aren't telling you what to do and you do get to choose what projects you want to tell. Um, that's probably the nicest thing. I think what's really great though, and that's what's happening with this new project, is um, Vic and I are, um, get each other like our thinking really in sync so well that it's super exciting when you actually are in a team and everyone's working on the same intention. That's probably even more exciting than you just working on your own, you know. Yeah. It must be lots of energy. Yeah. Yeah. It must be amazing working with so many like creative minds and like how do you find that? Like, you know, being Oh, you know what I love what I love most about creativity is you don't know what's gonna happen next. I love not knowing things. I love like kind of going, 
uh, okay, this is a story we'd love to tell, but we don't quite know what the script is going to look like in a year's time. I love not knowing. I love, you know, this director's going to come and work with us. I, I can't wait to hear what their quorum viral, their, their spirit, you know, um, will come up with. I, I love surrendering to this creative process. Don't try and control it. Don't try and switch it. Um, just let it breathe and let it come into its own, you know, let it come into its own, let it appear. And, and you just, it's a, it's a fine dance between setting intention and wanting something to come to life, but also stepping back and letting it breathe and have its own life. And it's this dance that, that I've noticed um, with creativity. Um, sorry. Do you have any advice you would share to young people who are interested in joining like a creative field or like filmmaking or just like anything around the industry? Um, I think when you have something to say or share, stories flow quite easily. For a long time in my early 20s, I used to get quite anxious that I didn't know what film I wanted to tell, I don't know what to do, and someone said to me once, um, that's because you don't have much to say at the moment. You don't really have much to share with the world. And that wasn't a put-down. It was just like you're still trying to find what you want to share. So I would say be patient with yourself it will come what you feel that you wish to share and trust yourself. Trust that you have stories that you're meant to tell. Follow that, that, that spirit that, it, you know, what's going, giving you good feeling inside and things will flow, you know, just trust that you are meant to tell certain stories and they'll come. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get like stuck for ideas? Like what do you do when you have like, a little block where you can't think of anything. To... What do I do when I get blocked? Mm. With this writing process, I I think because I've been co-writing for a long time with Vic, um, we get a bit blocked. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll chat and then we can't come up with something. We just go, oh, I can't knock that bit out. Let's leave it. Let's leave it for a bit and then we'll just walk away and then we'll come back a day later and have another look or or he'll call me up and go, I know how to do it now. Or I'll yeah. go, um, I think we need to achieve this in the scene, but I don't know how to do it. So I'll kind of put out um, an intention. This is what I think we need to achieve, but I don't know how we're going to get there. That's this surrender piece. You go, I know what we need to do, but I don't know how we're going to get there. And we probably just say it out loud and leave it. Just leave it and then it'll come to one of us or it'll come the next day. So it's okay if there's a block. It's probably still, you know, bubbling away, trying to work out itself what needs to come out. I don't know, just just leave it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, the films you've produced, they tell, like, such important stories. Um, how has this, like, affected your life? Like, oh, I just think I've been super, super blocked. I have made films with people that I'm now super close to, consider like family, um, still very close to Uncle Bob's family who I made Kenini with and very close to Uncle Vic and um, how to change my life. I just feel so blessed that I have been learning um, about so many things that Aboriginal people have known about for for, for <laughs> thousands of generations. I feel so lucky. So it's enriched my life and my children because Lots of Aboriginal people are in their lives too. So the importance of family, the importance of caring for country, the importance of, um, you know, being humble. Um, yeah. mm. 
if someone wanted to learn like these like values, what would you recommend them to do? I think start by reading. Reading is a good thing. There's lots of um, stories that are now being created by Aboriginal authors. Um, there's a lot of material. One thing I found really fascinating was when I spent a long time in the Mitchell Library, our history is actually really well recorded like from day one there were like surveys reports in the early days like drawings of the blue mountains in the early you know the early part of the 19th century and I was like there's so much here sitting in the Mitchell library it's just that we've kind of not our curiosity hasn't been sparked to go and learn enough but it literally is sitting there it has been recorded mainly by non-Aboriginal people in that early part but now more and more by Aboriginal authors if you're curious and you just kind of go, oh, wow, you know, Aboriginal, Aboriginal people have been here for thousands of years and have uh, a culture that was um, enabled so many different nations across this country. So like like Europe, you know, hundreds of different nations, you know, all with their own nuances, all connected by the the, the big law of caring for country, you know, Um You'll, you'll be enriched, I think, by just starting reading. And then I think if you open up, you'll find the friendships because you'll just realise there's so much good stuff to learn. There really is heaps of good stuff. And then you feel you fall in love with Australia even more. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, wow, the plants here, you know, all oh, the animals, all the oh, taking care of country, you know, you watch you watch things because lots of Aboriginal people know the different, you know, the seasons and how things change in the natural environment, which would teach them maybe it was time to move on and get food from another food source. And they they, they could read this country. They knew it intimately. They know it intimately. It's not past knowledge. It's it's, in, it's still right throughout Australia. Yeah. Um, and if we're lucky enough and humble enough to be open to learning from them, yeah. Um, I think it's a win-win. I think I think we've been a bit too silly for too long realising there's a whole bunch of knowledge that we have decided not to learn and silly us, silly us because the country would be fabulous if, if we could just do this two-way learning. And us learning and teaching too. I'm not saying it's only one way. It's yeah. two-way learning. Vic and I go to these meetings and we do two-way learning. He learns from me, I learn from him. Yeah, because I think... Um... Australians have this idea of like Indigenous people have their way of like thinking and we have yeah. our way of thinking. But if it were connected, then, you know, Shared Australia would, yeah, yeah. would really yeah. benefit from yeah. that. Yeah, I reckon too. Yeah. Hopefully in the future, <laughs> changes. Oh, yeah. Uh, today, just, you know, someone picking up a book, being curious and, and just having a think about like the reality of Australia and what's here in terms of the knowledge and the wisdom. I mean, that's you, you can change it right now. You know, you don't even have to wait. You can do it today. Yeah. 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 Um, this was a really lovely interview, Melanie. Thank yeah. you so much for having us. Um, but Thank be- you. I'm really proud of you girls. It's awesome. Um, but because of time that we have to cut this interview short, um, thanks for joining us on CLC Live. Um, broadcasters straight from Alpha Melbourne. Um, on this episode, we interviewed um, Melanie Hogan, the lovely award-winning producer and documentary filmmaker. Um, my two co-hosts, my two co-hosts, Holly and Layla. Thank you so much for just joining me on this, and it was really just lovely having you here. Yeah.
Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I just do what I do. I know about you. I just do what I do.